My goodness, my... Well, you know the rest. It's Schmanners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. (laughs) Hello, my dove. (laughs) Hello, dear. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you as well. I mean, that's assuming that I got it edited in time. (laughs) We'll see. Probably. Probably fine. faith in you. Hey, thank you. So, St. Patrick's Day, if you haven't already, go back. We did a whole episode last year all about St. Patrick's Day, the actual history of it, how to celebrate it, and not just wear offensive t-shirts and get drunk, but how, like, what it actually is meant to celebrate, the whole history behind it. Um, and this year, we wanted to do another kind of um, related... I wanted, I wanted to do something similarly festive. Okay, and so, uh, I... I you know, we'll talk about it enough as we go through. We're talking about the Guinness family. Yeah, specifically. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of background about Arthur Guinness, who founded the clan and the uh, and the brewery. Um, but specifically, I wanted to talk about the Golden Guinness Girls. I'm sorry. One the, more time? The Golden Guinness Girls. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Down, keep going. Down, run. What? What? Oh, am I supposed to sing with you? Party. No, you. I'm going to sing. I'm going to underscore. <laughs> this, this background? Oh, all right. Well, so the Golden Guinness the Girls. For a long time, I thought the words were, you're a pal and a comfort on. And <laughs> no. I didn't know what it meant, but I was like, okay, cool. But you stopped. My background music. Well, that's all the words I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This is going to be a great episode. It's going to be real good. We're very tired. It's late at night on a Thursday. Late at night. It's 10 (laughs) p.m. Well, when you get up at 7 a.m. and you've gotten up several times during the night, then it is pretty late. It's pretty late in the night. Okay. Okay. Golden Guinness girls. Focus up. Well, first. First things first. Arthur Guinness. So, like I said, Arthur Guinness, and there are many Arthurs, by the way. The first Arthur. Guinness. You mean Mini Arthur? I know there's lots of other people named Arthur in the world. <laughs> there are lots of Arthur Guinness. Oh no, this is going to be rough. Okay, so there are lots of people named Arthur in the Guinness family. Gotcha. But there was a first one that okay. I'm talking about now. Tell me about him. Okay. So when Art he, 101. So when he was born, um, okay, there had always been beer in Ireland, like a duh. But the brewing industry was was facing pretty much like a disaster point at this point when he was born um, because you could buy an English beer for a lot cheaper than you could buy an Irish beer because there were taxes on the Irish beers. Oh, okay. So they were trying to tax out Irish beer. Right. And also, this was at the tail end of the gin craze. So everybody was getting drunk on gin instead of beer because it just wasn't in fashion. So when are we talking? When was Arthur Guinness the first? When was he born? He was born in September of 1725. Oh, okay. So a while back. Right. A while back. Um, 
And obviously he didn't start a brewery the minute he was born, but that's like the general atmosphere around the time of his birth. Um, so what, what really put all of this in motion was um, Arthur's father was a steward of the Anglican Archbishop of Cashel. And so part of his job for the archbishery was helping to run the estate's brewery because a lot of those kind of places had their, like a lot of um, church-associated estates kind of were their own village almost. So they all had their own like brewery and tannery and blacksmithy and all this kind of stuff. Um, But he was in charge of that. And when his godfather passed away, he left him a hundred pounds um, and the money went straight into purchasing his first brewery. Um, he, He pretty much figured at this point, he was like, well, it was my godfather and he worked for the archbishop and he gave me the money. So like, it's destiny. I am preordained from God to have this brewery. That seems a little A to C, but all right, sure. Well, and because he felt this way, he decided to take that money and turn it back into the community. So he was like super philanthropic. He donated to the poor. He spoke out against lives of luxury and excess. Um, he catered to the needs of the most of the less fortunate, and he even funded the first Sunday schools in Ireland. Oh, cool. Um, that's not to say that like everybody was super cool with him, Arthur the First, uh, because he was Protestant, and occasionally there was kind of a backlash from the Catholic majority in Ireland at this point. Um, to the point that he was even accused of putting mashed up Methodist hymn books into his beer. Well, I guess if it made it more delicious, then... Well, <laughs> you know what they say about rumors. What's that? They're mostly true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a Parks and Rec quote, quote yes. you guys. Anyway. Um, it's a deep cut Parks and Rec deep, quote. Deep cut. So when I was researching this, and that, that was really like the start of all the brewery stuff. But I want to get into the family a little more. But that's the that's the start of Guinness has been around for like a three su- a super uh, long time. Uh, well, two hundred eighty, two hundred twenty, a, a while over two hundred years. Yes. Wow. Um, but when when I was uh, okay, wait. So the brewery was leased in seventeen fifty nine. So yeah, so yeah. about two hundred and eight years. Wait. 1759? Yeah. 258 years. I trust you because I'm not good at math. Sure. Um, so this is something that I said out loud to you while I was researching. Only 10 of Arthur's 21 children survived. And, and listen, right off the bat, bummer. Well, over That's an over 50% mortality rate of his children. That is... Wow, that that must be rough. Twenty one pregnancies, though. I I cannot imagine. I, I just can't. I can't imagine it. Whew. Different times. Yes. Different times. I mean, I'm sure there's still people. Maybe there's still people. Eighteen kids and counting. How many kids they got now? They're still counting. They're still counting. They're so still counting. Know. But twenty one kids, and 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 to 
I'm not making light of this at all. I cannot stress enough. But the idea of like, yeah, and we uh, over 50% mortality rate where we were left with only 10 children. It's like, wow. Well, e- even though only 10 survived, he did create a, a mighty dynasty. Yes, indeed. Um, so what often happens with a lot of these large families is these businesses kind of bounce around back and forth between uncles and sons and, you know, you keep it in the family. But a lot of the Guinness men were um, were called into the clergy. Okay. Um, so for a while, it was really kind of slapdash as to who would inherit the different facilities. Elizabeth, the eldest, Larry, married the Lord Mayor, so she was out, right? Hosea, who was the next, was called into the clergy. Um, and then Captain John, who was the youngest, actually didn't drink. He was a teetotaler. Um, and he became a missionary and founded, like, the missionary line of the family, where a bunch of people in that group became missionaries. Um, there was a son named Edward, um, who was, quote, unsuited to earning a living. I think that means that he was an artist. Okay. And I could also see where that would be, like, a euphemism for, like, the town drunk or something. Perhaps, but I'm I'm pretty sure that that means he was, like, an artist or didn't, like, go into a specific trade. Okay. Um, maybe a scholar. He's like Buster in uh, Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah. And then Arthur II was born in 1768, and he was the one who got the brewery. And the next Arthur. Yes, the no- next Arthur, Arthur II. Arthur 2.0. Yes. So, after Arthur II, his eldest son, so we're into the third generation, uh, William joined the clergy, like I said, there were a lot of those. And so the business passed down to his sons, not William's, but Arthur II's sons, Passed down to Arthur the Third, and at Benjamin. that point, okay, listen. At that point, how do you not just like your name is Arthur? So like, <laughs> you have no choice in this. Well, like, what are the odds? I understand. There's probably something going on, but if Arthur the First is like, yeah, all my other kids, so I guess it's going to Arthur the Second. Arthur the Second's like, yeah, all my other kids, I guess it's going to Arthur the Third. Don't speak too soon, because Arthur the Third was hopelessly in debt and was very terrible at managing business. Well, so maybe it, it wasn't predestined. <laughs> so it went to Benjamin, who at the time um, became the richest man in Ireland. Because of the brewery? Yep. So at this point, if we're thinking generations, you can estimate 20 years. So 1760, about 80 to 1800. So we're in like the 1800s at this point. Well, um, Benjamin was so successful that he became the Lord Mayor of Dublin in 1852 and was given a, bar- a baroncy. So he became a baron. Excellent. In 1867. Can you imagine? Like... The fact that he was so good at managing a brewery that he became mayor of Dublin. Yeah. And, I mean... I'm sure there was other stuff. Like, he was probably also, like, well-liked or whatever. But, like, that's awesome. I'm trying to picture that now. If somebody was like, yeah, the Budweiser, the CEO of Budweiser, you get to be mayor of New York now. (laughs) Well, to put this in context... 
Um, it was the largest brewery in Ireland in 1881. And that year, 1881, they sold a million barrels of Guinness beer. That's a lot of barrels. Yes. Yes, Listen, it is. I don't know much about barrels. It's a lot of barrels. It's a lot of barrels. It's a lot of barrels. You heard it here first. This is a Schmanners exclusive. That's a lot of barrels. As a side note, um, because it was very Schmannerly to be uh, a Guinness, um, in 1905, they had a very prominent visitor, the Prince of Wales, who would later become King George V, um, visited their, their house there, and he found it amazing. Um, he later wrote a letter um, thanking them for what was possibly the best shoot of his life. So they went hunting. Um, and you can actually find the details of that in the Guinness Book of Records. The Guinness Book of, of... World Records? No, that comes later. We'll talk that about comes that later. later. We'll talk that about that later. later. <laughs> well, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. So it was at this point. Um, so we have Arthur. We have Arthur 1. We've got Arthur 2, son of Arthur. We have Arthur 3, the Arthening. This is the Arthur that has the golden Guinness girls. This is Arthur 4? Arthur 3D? Arthur 4, return oh, of Arthur. I, I think this is Arthur 4. Okay. Um, so now it would be I didn't spelled, make a family tree. But it would be like A-R-T-H-4-R. <laughs> right? If we were doing it like a Fast and the Furious movie. Well, Arthur Four, Arthur Strikes Back. Shouldn't it be at the R? A four T H E R U R. Maybe, maybe. Okay, so he's got the Golden Guinness girls. Let's right, focus yes, on that. It. So these are his three daughters, mm-hmm. um, and they are Eileen, um, Ona. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that. How's it spelled? O O N A. G-H. Yeah, Ona, Una, something like that. And Maureen. Um, but I want to talk about Eileen. Okay. Um, she married Han Brinsley Sheridan Plunkett. Wow, name kind of fell there at the end, huh? <laughs> Han a, a Brinsley bit. Sheridan Plunkett. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the name Plunkett. It's just a different onomatopoetic sound. But the thing is, they were so fabulously wealthy. Um, and she was a com- like one hundred percent socialite. You have to be wealthy to afford that much name. I th- I think so. Um, and she actually managed to burn through her entire fortune by the time she was seventy. I know, I know. Um, it is said that she decided that's how long she would live. Um, and when she went on to live to be ninety four, she was horrified. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> She's like, I'll probably only live to 70. I won't need this money anyway. How do you... I guess at that time, early 1900s, this would have been. Yeah. Uh, they came of age in the 1920s. So there wasn't like... Nobody was really investing the way that they do now. I mean, they were think, talking... That was stock market crash around the 20s. So, but like... Right, I'm just looking at like to be that rich and to not have your money make money... Which is, I understand it, how rich people continue to be rich forever. Why you have these like rich and powerful families here in America, at least, where like you know your Astors, your Morgans, your Rockefellers, like because they got made a bunch of money once, 
mm-hmm. and then just that money kept making them money forever. Mm-hmm. So to hear somebody be like, oh yeah, no, she just spent all of her money by 70. It's like, so she did bad. She did it bad. She did it bad. But I mean, she obviously only got a portion of the Guinness fortune. Okay. Um, did she not have kids? She did. She did have children. But at this point, um, all of the, the Guinness girls in in history were more interested in partying than they were well, in their kids. So they kind of just passed them off to nannies. Um, but what about their fortune? What about their monies? Didn't she save monies for them? Well, they all got married a couple times, so somebody took care of them. So you call them the Golden Guinness Girls. Is that just what they were called because they were all socialites and rich? They weren't like a traveling act or anything, were they? Uh, no, they weren't a traveling act. It was just what they had been called by the by the media. Cool. Um, in fact, the the director, John Houston, said of them, The sisters are all witches, lovely ones to be sure, but witches nonetheless. They are all transparent skinned with pale hair and light blue eyes. Um, so they were beautiful, they had money, and they loved to throw parties. Uh, so according to a couple sources, Maureen was the most devious. Um, she became a countess. Uh, and then when that marriage fell apart, she married her cousin. Um, and then that marriage fell apart. Um, she said, it said that she would dress up as a drunken servant and do a stage Irish accent, uh, collecting tricked, trick objects, including, um, phallic symbols for her nose and glasses with holes in them and fake cheese. So she was... Walking joke shop comedian so, lady. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Did you maybe possibly leave out a page of notes? So you had this socialite woman uh-huh. who was the most devious, uh-huh. beautiful, Marine. Trans- that was transparent the- skin, beautiful, mm-hmm. blue eyes, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, she would dress up like a drunk servant and wear joke glasses and phallic objects and fake cheese. Yes, yes. That's Maureen. Um, Eileen had her own nightclub in the basement of her castle. She has speakeasy. Uh, and she hated when her guests went to bed before 5 a.m. I know. She would Even often... in her 70s? Because at that point, Eileen. I mean... I'm in my 30s and I can't make it past 11. Uh, her jokes included uh, bowls of plastic vomit at the supper table. Get out of town. Uh, and she would often put dummies in her guest bed. No. Why were they such tricksters? Well, because they can. They have lots of money. Um, what else? Oh, it seems that um, at least one of the girls uh, had a kind of maternal instinct. Um, Una is uh, regarded as the maternal one. Um, she raised her own children. She adopted several children from Mexico. Uh, she sometimes raised her son Tara's children and even Eileen and Maureen's children. I see. De- she was the designated mom. I think so. Okay. Um, one last thing about Maureen. She never stopped social climbing. And even when she was elderly, uh, she would put on her diamond-studded horn-rimmed glasses and... Uh, until her death in 1998, she still trove, strove to impress her friend, the Queen Mother, with a yearly party. I'm sorry, did you say 1998? Mm-hmm. 
You know what? Here's the thing, though. All right, folks. Here's the thing. That sounds very recent to me, but it's like 20 years ago. There are people listening to this show right now who were not alive in 1998. But to me, it's like 1998. That's I think that's just last year. Um, so between the three of them, they had eight husbands and, you know, several tragedies. Um, Una, I, I'm going to, I hope that that's how you say it. Yeah. The O one. The O one. Um, she had several of her kids die young. Um, one of her children died within days of birth. She had a 14 year old daughter who, um, died of a breathing episode, um, some sort of asthma related or, um, reaction related anaphylactic shock, maybe. Um, and then her 21 year old son died in a car crash. Mm, Bummer. Yep. Well, I want to go to break, but I don't want to go break on that note. Give us something else to go to break on. Would you like me to talk about Hitler? Maybe after, maybe after the break. <laughs> let's go. Okay. Well, let's go to break. Uh, we have a thank you note for a sponsor. Music. Shamanners is sponsored this week by Try the World Pantry. Um, now... We've talked about meal subscription services, but this is different. Basically, Try the World will bring foods of the world to your doorstep. So if you're like me, you go to the store and you buy the same bag of chips, the same jar of mustard, the same frozen shrimp, and that's all you eat (laughs) ever. Those three things and maybe an apple if you're feeling real special. But Try the World is going to send you a box with, uh, let's see, we got a box that had like some fancy oils in it and uh, um, what else? there was a, some kind of spread I've never heard of in there. It was a, a olive, a tapenade spread. Um, what else? We got some some handmade pasta. Basically, the long and the short is you got things in there that are going to inspire you to try new dishes. You're going to see it and go, hmm, I wonder what I can use this on. And it's going to drive you to try new things. And it's it's stuff you would never think to buy for yourself, but you're going to try it. And you're going to be like, oh, I want this all the time now. I want to make my own version of this. I want to go to whatever store sells this and get it from now on. And, and I a- really love that they were pantry items. So they're shelf stable. So if I don't get to them within the month, they're going to keep and keep and keep. And Try the World Pantry is a customized experience where you you fill out your taste profile and receive a box every month with ingredients, cooking essentials, and snacks you can use every day. Now, right now, you can go to trytheworld.com, T-R-Y-T-H-E-W-O-R-L-D.com and get $15 off your next pantry box with the code SCHMANNERS. So go check it out. It's it, Trust me, it's really cool. And also, it's the kind of thing where, like, get this as a gift for the foodie that in your life where it's like, oh, this is going to be something they're going to dig and this is something they wouldn't think to buy from them. It's It would make a great present or a great present for yourself. Go it's going to go down a lot better than the Fruit of the Month Club. That's true. Not that there's any... I said, I like fruit. I don't, There's nothing wrong with fruit, but it's not adventure. Unless it's like a durian or maybe one of those like spiny weird fruits, but that's a different show. <laughs> um, so go to trytheworld.com to get $15 off your next pantry box with code SCHMANNERS S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. Ben, we've been accused of so many things over the course of making The Greatest Generation. 
the Star Trek podcast that we're a little bit embarrassed to be making. That is right, Adam, but the one accusation that will never stick is the sickening implication that our show is in the pocket of Big Rod. As in Gene Roddenberry. We are not affiliated with Roddenberry, and that is why we are free to subject Star Trek to zingers, twangs, rib jabs, and all different kinds of jokey insults. That's right, Ben. The Greatest Generation is the people's Star Trek podcast, and Big Rod only wishes we were their puppet. No puppet! No puppet! If you want the untainted opinions of two guys who suffer pangs of shame every time they weigh in on Star Trek in this weirdly public forum, go to MaximumFun.org or search for The Greatest Generation in your podcatcher. We are so excited! It's only a couple more days till the start of the Max Fun Drive! Max Fun Drive is coming up, and we're working hard on some of the best episodes of the year. Now, yes, I am. I am working. You hear that? We have a special episode, and we recorded a special bonus episode. Yeah. That was, I'm not going to lie, super fun. So here's the thing. I've got some copy here to read, but you know what? I'm not going to read it. Because this is, no joke, my seventh Max Fun Drive. And at this point, I have very strong feelings on it, and I'm a big fan. Let me guess. You love it. I love Max Fun Drive. Basically, if you've never been a part of Max Fun during Max Fun Drive, which is possible, we've seen a lot of growth this year. It's possible that you're listening to this and you're like, wait, Max Fun Drive? Basically, I'll give you the long and the short of it. Max Fun is a donor supported network, which means that the listeners, listeners like you, make it possible for us to make these shows. And every year, for two weeks, we give you the opportunity to support the network and get rewarded for it. Maybe you're already a donor. Well, you can upgrade your donation and get rewards from it. Maybe you're not a donor, but you're looking to become one. You can become a donor and get rewards. But I'll tell you the best part. The best part, Teresa. Do you know what it is? It is the bonus content. It's the bonus content. Every year, the host of the Max Fun shows record a bonus episode or bonus whatever for donors to enjoy. And the best part is you not only get this year's episodes, you get all the past episodes as well. It's something like three days worth of content. And that starts on March 20th, and it runs for just two weeks. And you won't want to miss it, because not only do we have all those rewards and everything, people are also going to be recording their most like jam-packed, amazing shows of the year. Maybe it's special guests, maybe it's special topics, whatever. It's incredible. And there's Max Fun Drive meetup days, where you can go to places near you to meet other Max Fun listeners. There's going to be, I don't know, I'm probably going to do some like live stream Q&As. Well, I've decided that this year I am going to man the Twitter handle, the Twitter account mm-hmm. for Schmanners. Um, and I am going to do some kind of like live ask and answer sessions. Perfect. Um, so I will let you guys know. Follow our, our Twitter, Schmanners Cast. And um, I'll let you know when I'm available to take questions. But I'm also going to endeavor to thank every single person who tweets at me saying that they donated or upped their donation level. So that starts March 20th, runs for two weeks. Keep an eye on MaximumFun.org. And on our show, we can't wait. I'm so excited. Okay, so I believe you were going to tell me about Hitler? Yes. Okay. Well, just to um, to ease you a little bit, Hitler did not become part of the Guinness family. Cool, cool. I would have been surprised if that was where you took it. That would have been a huge twist. But um, a socialite named Diana Mitford 
I thought your name Diana Hitler. <laughs> no relation. No. Uh, married a descendant of Arthur Guinness, his, uh, one of his descendants, Brian Guinness. So they had a couple children. Um, but their story goes, when they got married, they invited Adolf Hitler to the party. Um, Diana and her sister Unity had a close friendship with Hitler. Um, and Diana defended Hitler till the day that she died, mm. saying that the man I knew could not have done all that. Perhaps he went a little mad. Okay. She wasn't talking about a different Hitler? No. I he don't. invited Steve Hitler. He was a lovely... Who? Adolf? No. I don't think... Probably the same Hitler. To make it even more complicated, Diana was also related to Winston Churchill. Whoa, that is a twist. His wife was her father's cousin. So, through marriage, mm-hmm. there was a familial link between Winston Churchill and Adolf Hitler. No. Oh. No, no, no. Because they were just friends with Hitler. <laughs> That's way worse than friends with benefits. <laughs> and by familial, you mean like related by marriage. Yes. No, no, no. Because no, no, no. Okay. Diana was married to Brian and they were friends with Hitler. But Diana was also related you could to, make, to Churchill. You could make a soap opera out of this. This. Somebody for listening. Make friends with Hitler, a soap opera. I will watch it. I'm <laughs> fascinated. I realize now, before we get to the world records, which you mentioned, I realized something. We haven't talked about Guinness. The the beer? The beer. So here's what I'm going to do. I've pulled up the Wikipedia page. <laughs> oh, boy. And I'm going to read... Um, I'm going to read the first two paragraphs, but I'm going to do it in my best voiceover voice. Guinness is an Irish dry stout that originated in the brewery of Arthur Guinness at St. James's Gate Brewery in the capital city of Dublin, Ireland. Guinness, produced by the Diageo Beverage Company, <laughs> is one of the most successful beer brands worldwide. It is brewed in almost 50 countries and is available in over 120 Annual sales total of Guinness in 2011 was 850 million liters. That's 220 million U.S. gallons. Guinness features a burnt flavor that is derived from roasted, unmalted barley. Although this is a relatively modern development, not becoming part of the grist until the mid-20th century. For many years, a portion of aged brew was blended with freshly brewed beer to give a sharp, lactic flavor. Although Guinness's palate still features a characteristic tang, the company has refused to confirm whether this type of blending still occurs. The draft beer's thick, creamy head comes from mixing the beer with nitrogen and carbon dioxide when poured. It is popular with the Irish, both in Ireland and abroad. In spite of declining consumption since 2001, it is still the best-selling alcoholic drink in Ireland, where Guinness and Company Brewery makes almost 2 billion euros worth of the beverage annually. Well, so, well great. There's that. I'm also a personal big fan of Guinness. Um, what I really like, if I may, just for just for, for a moment, of why I like Guinness, Guinness, even of stouts, Really feels like you're committing to something. When, like again, this is I've I've heard it compared to bread in a glass. I know? have also heard that. 
I wasn't sure if that was related to caloric co- content or or thickness or carbo loading. I, I mean, a know. little bit of both. It's it's both uh, high in calories, very dense beer, but you also only usually ever need one of them. I have very rarely ever finished one Guinness and thought, yes, please, three more. <laughs> the first time I ever had Guinness, I remember uh, I was uh, not the uh, seasoned uh, adult I am now as far as uh, consuming different types of uh, beverages. And I, my first sip, I thought it tasted like burned charcoal. Um, wow. Now, I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, and uh, yes, I, I, I think it's a lovely, creamy, wonderful beer. For those of you who like to imbibe alcoholic drinks, and if you don't, I don't know, root beer float is, I think, maybe the closest I can come as far as consistency. Mm. Um, is that, like, it's very creamy, it's very rich. Um, but with a little bubble. You've actually made us Guinness floats before. Guinness floats are delicious. If you're looking for uh, just kind of a special sweet treat this uh, St. Patrick's Day, Guinness with a scoop of ice cream goes down smooth. It's delicious. Would you recommend vanilla or chocolate ice cream? I would go with vanilla myself to uh, because I like contrast. And I think that uh, Guinness is kind of like a chocolatey. And you add in like the white creamy vanilla. And I think that balances out. Oh, um, here we are. Mm. Are you hungry again? Okay. <laughs> Um, for those of you who haven't listened to our bonus episode yet, <laughs> we get very hungry in our bonus episode. We actually had to stop three quarters of the way through the bonus episode and eat dinner. Um, and, but my yeah. superpower is I'm always hungry. That's my secret. I'm always hungry. Um, but I, I, I'm, I, I like it too. And I know that I'm a, I'm a very big uh, proponent of not letting St. Patrick's Day just be known as like a, a drunken you know, get wasted holiday. And so what I really like about Guinness is it's not like taking shots. You know, it's a beer that takes you a while to drink. Well, I like what you said. It's a commitment. It's a commitment. It's a thing that you do while you sit around. You know what I mean? It's it's not a beer. Nobody drinks Guinness to get drunk. At least I don't know them. You know what I mean? It's not the, it's not the, the drink you drink when it's like, all right, I got 20 minutes. It's like... It's the thing you do when it's like, it's a cold, rainy day, and we're going to sit around and talk about old times and sip on a Guinness. I'm just a big fan. I need to get some of those, oh my goodness, my Guinness posters. (laughs) Okay. So we've talked about the family, the socialites, and the beer. Now let's talk about the Book of Records. World Records. Well, it didn't start out as World Records. What happened was, in 1951, a man named Sir Hugh Beaver, who was the managing director of Guinness Breweries, went on a shooting excursion um, and missed a shot at a bird called a golden plover. Okay. Sir Beaver missed a golden (laughs) plover. I'm with you so far. I'm following all the words you're saying. So... When he missed it, he began an argument over which was the fastest game bird in Europe. I mean, if I had missed a shot at a bird, I would say that bird was the fastest well, one. Well, of course I you? missed it. Yeah, of, of course, course I, it was. Of it's of the course fastest one. It's the fastest game bird year. And the two that came up well, I know were... I not Sir Beaver. It's the fast plover. <laughs> were the golden plover and the red grouse. Uh-huh. It turns out it's the plover. But, you did it. But... Um, that evening, when he was staying at Castlebridge House, he realized 
it was impossible to confirm in his reference books whether or not the Golden Plover was Europe's fastest game bird. So, knowing that there must be more questions, debated nightly in pubs throughout Ireland and abroad, and there was no book in the world which could settle them, he decided that a book supplying the answers to this sort of question might prove successful. I, I want to say, I think that Sir Hugh Beaver does not get enough credit for this. Because every time I've ever heard the fact that the Guinness Book of World Records is actually the same Guinness as Guinness Beer, people always seem to say, like, well, yeah, of course, it makes total sense. Because, like, when you're sitting around having, like, a bar argument or a bargument, that, like, <laughs> you want to determine. And so it makes total sense that you would have, like, a beer and a, and a book. It doesn't make total sense. It's a genius move. That's the thing. Is like, when you actually think about it, I've got it. The perfect companion to my beer. A book of facts. Like, no, it is not that obvious. He is a genius. Well, so it be- really became reality when a Guinness employee, Christopher Chataway, recommended the university, his university friends, Norris and Ross Midwitter, McWitter, perhaps? Sure. Um, who had been running a fact-finding agency in London. So once the twin brothers commit were commissioned to compile what would soon become the Guinness Book of Records in 1954, that year, a thousand copies were printed and given away. I mean, that's pretty awesome for like a tiny record book that like three guys put together. That's amazing. I, I have just looked up whenever you're ready some weird world records from Guinness that I can that I can share with you real quick. Okay, well, I just want to say that the book has gone on to become a world record breaker itself with sales of more than 100 million copies in 100 different countries and 37 languages. So it is the world's best selling copyright book ever. So it is within its own book. Yes. Holding the record. Excellent. It, the book holds the record for the most books. Um, in 1988, Blackie becomes the wealthiest cat when its owner dies and leaves it $12.5 million. Whoa. Suresh Joachim of Sri Lanka takes the longest escalator ride, which was 140 miles long at the Westfield Shopping Center in Burwood, New South Wales, Australia. That was 1998. So you probably just like kept getting on and off, right? Because I don't think there's one escalator that goes from maybe he walked in place for 104. I don't know. I think he probably went up and then down and then up and then down on a set of escalators. In 2001, Smudge, a parrot, set a record for most keys removed from a key ring by a parrot by slipping off 10 in under two in under two minutes. In 2009, he got all the way up to 22. Oh boy. In 2008, Kevin Shelley set the record for most toilet seats broken by one's head in one minute by shattering 46 in Cologne, Germany. Can you imagine being the person who worked really hard to shatter 45? (laughs) (laughs) He did how many? Oh. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Well, the great thing about this kind of a book is that all you have to do is find a record that nobody has broken yet, you know, make up something and do it yourself and you can get in the book. Perhaps uh, like in 2014 when Ranmaru, an Australian Labradoodle, 
boasted the longest eyelashes on a dog at 6.69 inches. Wow. It's pretty long. Well, okay. So here here are a couple of my... (laughs) My arguments about this. It's a thing now. Because, so if you're thinking about, like, longest eyelashes ever on a dog, you can't possibly have have measured every dog's eyelashes throughout the history of time. But you have the one now that's the longest. Maybe you can say living dog. Well, here's what it is. The very important word is recorded. Ah. Which is why record is in there because mm-hmm. it's the longest recorded on a dog, the heaviest set of twins recorded, the most whatever recorded, uh-huh. and that's just implied by records and all of that because that's you're right, but that's that's how they justify it. Well, this is all the information compiled here. I've always wanted to have a world record, but I've never really wanted to commit it. Maybe I'm the world's laziest person. <laughs> I bet I could be lazier. Can we just, We're going to have a lazy off <laughs> noon by the big tree out front. All right. This has degenerated quite quickly. If you show up for a lazy off, don't you immediately lose? Oh. Thank you. Touche, sir. Thank you. All right. This is the silliest argument ever. <laughs> All right. We can't stop. We, we can't got stop. We fin- finished because I'm tired. All right. We're going to go to bed. Um, Just a reminder. Max Fun Drive coming up. On March 20th, runs for two weeks. Please support the shows that you love. We really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at SchmannersCast, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S, uh, cast. I just, I spell it every time because there's no C. Well, there's a C in cast, but there's no C in Schmanners. And I only bring that up because I don't want people to miss out on like the tweets and the Facebook, especially the Facebook group, because every week when we have a topic, not like Guinness, but a a topic where questions uh, make sense, we'll put it in the Facebook group and give you a chance to ask for advice on stuff. And we don't want you to miss out on that. Um, Let's see. What else? Uh, Check out all the other shows on Max Fun. Um, I'm a huge fan of all of them, um, so I'm not going to pick one. Go listen to all of them. Literally any of them, and they're amazing. Um, as always, I want to thank Brent Brentofloss Black for our themes music, which is available as a ringtone wherever ringtones are found. Also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our beautiful thumbnail and banner art. Um, thank you, everyone who's joined the Facebook group. We've got some really good discussions going on lately, um, and I love to see that. Thanks so much. So I think that's going to do it. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.